Hey, welcome in. It's Downtown the Podcast, episode number 108. From the Zone Radio Studios in Bangor, Maine, the home of our daily show, Downtown, which airs Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Zone Radio stations of Maine, and streaming audio available on our website at Downtown with RichKimball.com. I'm Rich Kimball, Carrie Haskell here as well, and we're brought to you every week by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. On the program, two guests for you this week. One, uh, one of the greatest comedians in the business, been making people laugh for more than four decades, the great George Wallace will join us. And uh, we get things underway by welcoming back to the podcast veteran character actor William Sanderson, who's been on many times with us. He's the author of a terrific memoir, Yes, I'm That Guy, you know him as Larry in the New Heart series, E.B. Farnham in Deadwood, and he has been in countless films and television shows through the years. We always have a good time talking with William Sanderson, who chatted with us about his retirement, as it turns out, not from acting, if the right role came along, but from Facebook. William Sanderson, here on Downtown, the podcast. First of all, how are you handling this, uh, this whole quarantine social distancing situation? Well, uh, a ca- cabin fever is the shortest I could say, you know. Mm. Um, I And how about yourself, before I forget, and your family? Yeah, you know, we're doing pretty well. We're, we're hunkered down. The only time I leave the house is to come here to the radio station. We have a, a very minimal crew, so I don't come into contact with too many people here. Yeah, we're, we're trying to be positive and make the most of it, but uh, we've had better weather here lately, and that helps a little bit. Oh, good, good. Uh, um, congratulations. So many people are hurting. But uh, I uh, I saw your dog on Instagram. I'm doing everything <laughs> I can to start listing my credit, or dropping names. Ginger? <laughs> Ginger, yes, indeed, yes. She'll be happy yeah, to know dog. that you're a fan. Well, yes, but I'm leading up what else do actors do to what they want to talk about. I got a promotion. Uh, my Unfortunately, my mother-in-law passed away, but we promised her we'd take care of her dog. So I'm the dog walker now. Well, that's fantastic. And, oh, she's a great dog, and it gets so much, brings so much enjoyment. But anyway, uh, I probably stepped on your line. No, no, not at all. I wanted to ask you, though, now you posted on, on social media recently your retirement, that you had left the building. So what, what does that mean? Well, I always wanted to be Elvis, but now I, <laughs> I retired from Facebook, not from life, I hope. It's just uh, we still have Instagram. I find it hard with all the tragedy in the world to put up pictures of myself and so forth, but uh, it just became a little too much, and anybody that looked at it, I thank them for their comments and uh, posts, uh, and I want to thank you. Well, I'll, I'll wait to see if you mention it. There's a specific thank you, but uh, <laughs> I just, uh, what is the road is getting more narrow for me. Like, can I, 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 just, I can still get things done. It just takes longer. Sure, so, but, but you haven't retired from acting. If somebody came along with a great part, would you still take it? Uh, I, 
best I can say, if it's an offer, I can't refuse. I have some scripts, but a lot of independent films, and I have to turn them down. Uh, they'll probably be the next Spielberg or something. But <laughs> I, uh, uh, the last one I can remember is uh, Ian McShane, who was a wonderful villain on Deadwood, asked me to be on uh, his show in Canada called American Gods, a cameo. But I, I got through it, and, uh, you know, I couldn't say no to him. Well, no, you guys worked together so well on Deadwood and on American Gods. You know, we had uh, Julia Duffy on the show a few weeks ago, and we were talking oh. about some of our favorite Newhart episodes, and, and one that came up was the episode when your character, Larry, decided that he wanted to marry Miss Stephanie. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, uh, she is a wonderful actress and uh, has a book out about auditioning. And uh, I miss her. You know, the, she. you talk about inspiration. She just never missed a line. She stayed in character, and I'm flubbing lines left and right. <laughs> but luckily, they had great editors. Well, and that cast was so deep and so talented and and obviously starting with Bob Newhart, but but everybody, your brothers who who never got to say a line, but and you've told us before they were they were trained stage actors and so brilliantly talented and able able to create characters that that had levels of depth without any dialogue. Yeah, Tony Pappenfuss and who lives in Minnesota now and John Bolstead lives in South Carolina. But can I introduce them in case there's somebody driving or more likely at home? Uh, can I introduce them, well, even though they won't say anything? Please, I used to yeah, come please. Out. May I? Yeah, uh, oh, hi, yeah. I'm Larry. This is my brother, Daryl, and this is my other brother, Daryl. <laughs> and I based him on the town crazy, and I, I thought it was a one-shot deal, but thank goodness it lasted a while. Great to have a regular job. I've said it before. Well, and... The character grew, all three of the characters grew so much, and, and you really became an integral part of the series as time went on. Uh, yeah, I, I made Bob eyebrows raise on the West Coast of Paley. Uh, <laughs> they, they invited us out there, and some reporter in the audience said, well, how many times were you in the show? And I said, not enough. And he said, <laughs> He looked at me like, <laughs> that's the most arrogant thing I ever said in his presence. But it's like, how many times have you been in love? Not enough. But I love Bob Newhart, and he's as bright as any actor I ever worked you know, with, counting background. He's a vet, uh, a grandfather, and probably soon be a great-grandfather. I think he's 90 now and doing well, as far as I know. You know, we haven't talked with you uh, in the times you've been on before about your work with John Candy in his last film. Uh, that was, you know, that was a dream. And unfortunately, he died a few scenes before the end of the film. It was called Wagons East. It was a very funny script. I, But uh, he was a kind man. He was uh, funny. And he was very gracious when Sharon and I got married. He commented on that. Uh, my agent said, don't go to Mexico. It's uh, pilot season, and uh, there's not a lot of money, and I wanted to go to Mexico where John Wayne used to shoot all those westerns, and 
Sharon went with me, and I'm glad I did. But it wasn't long after I got back, I had to sell my house. <laughs> but, but, you know, we had a lot of ups and downs. Will you let me mention the book uh, that I published before you cut me off? Oh, you better believe it, because we love the book. Talk more about Yes, I'm That Guy. Uh, the Rough and Tumble Life of a Character Actor. Well, John's picture is in it. I think a wonderful picture of Sharon, my wife, and uh, me. And uh, I, I forget why why I wanted to. Well, there's a number of projects I can't remember why. Oh, I wanted to thank you for the nice review you gave me. And uh, oh yeah, somebody is interested, they can go to. Uh, just am- Amazon and put in, yes, I'm that guy, and your great review is there, and I'm reading it right now. I read it from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking at the and, pictures in the book here, too, and uh, and remembering up by another movie we haven't talked about. I love this movie so much uh, that you made uh, with Bill Campbell, The Rocketeer. Uh, what a wonderful movie that was. Well, it's gained a following, and they had high hopes for one of those. Um, uh, did I did anyway. Uh, this one where I'm, I might be down the pecking order, but I was in good company, and Bill Campbell's a terrific actor as well as uh, an artist. And I, he may be living in Nova Scotia now. There's a. Uh, you know that's how much he's worried about. But he works in Canada, and he works a lot. Um, and uh, it was a pleasure to work with. Alan Arkin was in it, and he got my part of the mechanic. But what are you going to do? <laughs> the Academy, if you lose a part to an Academy Award winner, it's uh, okay. And thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, that that's one of those movies, that and, and Blade Runner, that, that have just developed a real strong cult following. Um, you know, maybe weren't as successful at the theaters as, as the, the producers would have liked, but it, it, they've had long, long legs. What what do you think helps a movie generate that type of following? Well, I guess me. I guess it's all about me. <laughs> I've been both of them. <laughs> no, I, I was the least uh, worthy. But uh, Blade Runner, they said that's, Life became sort of like that with the riots in L.A., and I don't see any flying cars yet, but <laughs> I don't know except that people call it a cult classic, and it's nice to be Blade Runner in a cult film. And uh, I, I don't know. I, and certainly it turned things around a little bit. I'd played a lot of bad guys and certainly a lot of idiots, if you will, but he was a genetic engineer and mm. a genius type with two hours of latex makeup. And, of course, we had Harrison Ford in it in mm. the movie, and he was one of the hottest. But uh, I just uh, I hope I live a lot longer. Maybe something else that didn't do well will return. <laughs> We're talking with William Sanderson. You've worked a lot through the years with Tommy Lee Jones, and he comes up a lot in your book. He's... Uh, He's an interesting fellow, to say the least. Oh, he really is. And uh, I better interject that I'm not so perfect myself. I left out a lot of stuff. But uh, Tommy, and Tommy is uh, a Harvard graduate, of course, and uh, is an All-American football player. And 
he plays like he's just a good old boy, you know, the Al Gore's roommate. And <laughs> but uh, I was supposed to do a seventh project with him, uh, Batman, and director John Frankenheimer, who passed away, wouldn't let me out of the rehearsal. So uh, I wanted to work with Val Kilmer a second time and see the fireworks between Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee, you know. Mm. I don't know if you've read about that. Oh, yes. <laughs> and uh, But uh, our Tommy's directing me. He likes to direct the other actors, you know, and he's directing me and Coal Miner's Daughter, and I've thought about it for 30, 40 years, and he was probably right. I should have said the line the way he told me to say it. <laughs> I used to say, if you're born in the mountains, you've got three choices, coal mine, moonshine, or moving on down the line. And I didn't say it like that, but Tommy wanted me to say it a different way, and he was right. But I was determined. I thought I was Bob Dylan at the time, and you got to go with what's inside you. And, but he still talk. He still doesn't call me anymore. But he claims he's my friend. <laughs> what's been the most surprising part of your year, or of your career? Uh, the corny. Uh, the corny or paying myself a compliment, what a nice question, the longevity or that I'm still alive, you know. In the book, I put uh, my oldest friend and college roommate said I should bow down uh, on my knees and thank God for sending my wife Sharon to save my life. Uh, <clears throat> so... The most surprising thing is that I'm still alive. Most uh, my brother, Vietnam vet, he died after he got out of the army. But my mother and father, I'm I'm 76, and as Keith uh, Richard said, glad to be anywhere. <laughs> well, you've been with your wife Sharon now for uh, well, well, nearly 30 years, and you had the challenges in your upbringing that you talk about about very openly in the book. Uh, there were times when you were your own worst enemy as a young man. Was it hard for you to adjust to having something as good in your life as Sharon? It still is. <laughs> <laughs> but I try to make a joke and say she's very smart. I hope she doesn't leave me. <laughs> but uh yeah yeah i don't want to give her so much credit you know that, that i looked that word up uxorious or uxorious or something that given too much credit but you know she was there to protect me from myself and it's not an easy job but i haven't drank in some time now i'm gonna put your listeners to sleep straight white old and don't drink I'll put them to sleep. Not at all. Not because I'm I'm picturing you out walking that dog, living the good life right now. Well, I do, I do. I've had writers come, uh, a writer come to the house years ago, and he must have been a little disappointed. It was 15 years ago. We're in Pennsylvania, and he's looking for a mansion, and it's not a mansion. <laughs> but I feel well off, and we have investments and. Uh, I do hope people will read the book. Uh, uh, you mentioned the early life and not long where I lived in a... Oh, uh, everybody's got a story, Rich. Have you written your memoir yet? 
No one's asked me to, so uh, no. I'm asking you to. I don't know if anybody would have much interest beyond you, and you know, maybe my wife would want to hear some of it. I'm not sure. The dog, Ginger, well, would Steve love it. Steven Tobolowski owes you one. <laughs> Joanna Castillo owes you one. Buying one. And Julia Duffy. So there's four sales. There we go. If I charge enough, I can make a little money on this then. Yeah. Uh, Was that hard for you to tell your story? Because I, you know, I think about even the. Well, uh, she helped immensely because I was still drinking years ago, and uh, she had the facts. But uh, I had a nine hundred and something pages. It's hard. We got a guy named Ray Richmond, who's a critic in Hollywood or an entertainment writer, and he organized it. And uh, I don't know. One reviewer said he must have shed some blood and tears putting it together. <laughs> but uh, Ray's a good writer, and uh, I'd like to be like Dennis Hopper and say I wrote uh, Easy Rider every word. Well, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't write it at all. The real writer was sitting in the room with him. Said, what is this? But I wasn't there, so that's fact-based on hearsay, Rich. Stop me, man. I, I'm wound up. No, we love that. Hey, so, uh, do you still listen to Elvis at all? Uh, yes, now and then the songs that, uh, uh, that I heard when I was a kid, from 11 years old until, and some of the big ones. And when I heard him playing the piano in the house, and that was... Uh, I play them, you know, I, I thought about it because people, years ago, I'd go to an interview and Sharon told me, don't talk about Elvis because they'll know how old you are. <laughs> but he was, he inspires people. You know, he came from a very uh, poor housing project. And so, uh he, he's. Uh, I stumbled into acting, but I never forgot how he treated people. Mm. His fans, you know. Does it make any sense? It like does. Yeah. No. And, and 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 I got to think for all, for the all the kids that you grew up with, being right there in Memphis. I mean, yeah. yeah. How do you look up to anybody more than than Elvis at at that time when he was at really the peak of his powers? Yeah. Yeah, and playing football, uh, I was trying to avoid, it's in the book, it's in the book, but playing football with him, and uh, one time I was staring at his uh, limo, and he said, you want to get in, you want to sit down? I said, well, I don't get it dirty with playing football, you know, and uh, he said, well, if Bardot won't get it dirty, you won't hurt it. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was some greasy friend of his, but it was a business owner, and, but, then I had, when I grew up, I bought a couple of those cars, Fleetwood and stuff. It's just stupid. It's in the book. Trying to emulate Elvis Presley will get you in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you you touched on I it. I have shakedowns, shakedowns, you know. I got popular in New Heart, and you believe your own press. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, you, you, may, you, you sort of mentioned it right there. The, I mean, as good as his music and, and was, part of it, I think, Elvis is enduring and, and wondering if you think the same thing uh, was his connections with the common fans. You know, the, it was, he, he really always seemed to make the effort to connect with people beyond just performing for them. Uh, I think so. 
and I think so. Um, let me interject. Uh, if anybody's still listening to my monologues, he didn't know me from Adam. And you could say I stalked him, uh, <laughs> just sneaking in the amusement park all night rides for his friends and the all night movies, none of which I can hardly remember. I'd sit in the back and Elvis sit in the middle and his buddies would sit by him. And when he laughed, they all roared, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't even, I got off, I'm not sure I answered your question, but he. He did care about his fans. He did. Yep. And uh, uh, I was just really sorry to see him pass away so young. It's like losing a parent or something. Are are you surprised when you're back when we can get back to being out and about and mingling with the public? Does it still surprise you when people recognize you? Yeah, it doesn't happen as much here in Pennsylvania, yeah, I have. Uh, I don't. I don't know. My sister-in-law says, "Oh, they recognize you." Once you start talking, but I try not to think about it. It's really good to be able to go in uh, sweatpants to pick up something <laughs> at CVS or uh, mask or not. You know. Uh, luckily, we have a few good friends and. We can't go out to eat with them regularly now, so I'm missing that. And there's a church where Sharon's grandfather was a pastor for 35 years. I miss other older people who are deteriorating at the same speed. <laughs> well, we See, hope... Do you? I, I, I feel like if I talk over 15 minutes, I'll just... Uh, put you to sleep there's not a chance of that bill you could talk to us all day and we would be on the edge of our seat thank you back at you but what do i uh did you get the check for that review you wrote i did i did but i didn't you know i didn't cash it because i wanted your autograph so i just framed that's right that's right it's worth more <laughs> if you don't cash <laughs> no but uh your long time listeners ought to go and read that review it touched me you, know, you you got some of the book that other people might not. And uh, I'm thinking it's a lot of things. It's a love story. And, and my buddies would say, yeah, about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, what What I found is that it's I mean, it's a powerful story. It's an uplifting story. And, and it's inspiring. We said you, you had oh, some challenges along the way. And you, you know, you, you had some demons that you had to battle with. And, and nothing makes me happier than to see you come out on the other side of all this and, and find some peace in your life and, and to get the acclaim from the critics and the fans that you so richly deserve because character actors don't always get that. But I think people look at your body of work and, and realize uh, the talent, but also what you brought to every role you've played. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, a lot of actors leave Hollywood not so happy and... They feel that the industry was against them, and it show business is hard anyway. Uh, even stars, uh, Larry McMurtry, who wrote Lonesome Dove, said they will pay a toll. He said, I'm all for stars, but eventually... Uh, Robert Frost wrote a great poem called uh, uh, Provide, Provide. Can I say just a few lines? Oh, please do. No 
uh, memory of having starred atones for later disregard or makes the end less hard. <laughs> but it's about a, a woman uh, who was very successful once and then, uh, you know, I'm just happy to be talking to you and I've got grandchildren and I'm closer to them now than I was in California. So. But uh, who who would give you ratings? Uh, Cruz? Trump? <laughs> I oh, I don't know. We're, we're happy. We're much happier talking to you. But what would you have done if you didn't become an actor? What do you think you would have done? Oh, I'd love to show off and say I'd unassassin. <laughs> I mean, you went to law but, school. Uh, you had that going. Yeah, I'm sorry. You went to law school. Was that? Oh, I did. I did. I did. But I, I never took the bar exam. Thank you for mentioning. Though I've thought about it so much because of people, nice people like you. So why did you do this or that? And I stumbled on acting. Is what I've decided because of a production next door of Hair. <laughs> and a song that I liked uh, from Merle Haggard, and just tons of pretty girls. I thought it was just me, but I talked to somebody the other day who said he he got in an acting class and it was eighteen attractive ladies, and now he he stuck with it. He said, <laughs> uh, "You know, I, I work deprivation. Deprivation will do a lot. You know, <laughs> not, not many women in the army or college for me." Or, High school, junior high was a star, though. That's right. I well, I work with high school actors. I direct plays, and and when I'm trying to recruit guys, I always say, "Listen, let me let me give you the numbers here. Take a look at how many girls are involved in high school theater. The, the odds are in your favor, young man." Oh, how interesting! And you're doing something worthwhile. I know you don't play with impressionable people. You you're telling them the truth and what you've learned and. Uh, acting teachers carry a lot of weight, you know, uh, I think. But uh, you do that, how many times? you do it monthly or weekly? Oh, we do it. You know, if we're doing a show, we're, we're going just about every day. As a matter of fact, we were in the process of getting ready to start a show when everything shut down back in March. Oh, oh yes, that's so typical around, and I know the kids are frustrated. Now, you you do musicals and drama? And yeah, we do both. We were we were getting ready to do the uh, musical Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Oh, wow. Well, they're lucky to have you. And uh, I think of my acting teacher, William Hickey, I probably mentioned him. Oh, he wonderful. nominated for an Academy Award in uh, Prince's Honor. He's a nice man. Yes, and... He'd take a drink too. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bill, it's it's always so much fun for us to have the opportunity to talk with you. Uh, we're so glad that you made some time for us this afternoon. And please give our best to Sharon and enjoy that time walking the dog as well. And uh, since you're not fully retired, I hope we can have you back on again sometime. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Lee Marvin said uh, an actor who's not working has nothing to talk about. But I sure did disprove that. <laughs> hey, um, thank you. And four times, I'm I'm embarrassed, you know. But you see the extent of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking forward Thanks, to number Terry. five already. Thank you, for <laughs> both of you. Okay, and take care. 
You too. Thank Stay you. Stay well, please. Bye-bye. Well, just one of our absolute favorite people to talk to uh, every time he comes on. He's so open and honest and self-effacing. Yeah, I don't know that we've had a, a guest who apologizes as much as Bill does for, for taking our time and then I'm, I'm boring you. God, nothing could be further from the truth. No, not at all. And uh, the stories he has to tell, uh, I mean, he tells so many of them in the book, but just hearing him tell them in his own voice um, is is great to hear. Yeah, and if you haven't read the book, it's terrific. Yes, I'm that guy. A rough and tumble life of a character actor and not just the acting days, but as we've talked about on our show, the great stories in there about his days growing up in Memphis and essentially sneaking in to be in the, the background of Elvis's Memphis Mafia. Yeah, just great. I, sneaking in for bumper car, <laughs> amusement park nights, movie nights, yeah. whatever. Great stuff. Uh, Bill Sanderson with us here on Downtown, the podcast. A word right now from our friends at Cross Insurance, and then we're back with comedy legend George Wallace. Since its founding in 1954, Cross Insurance has grown from a small family-owned agency that started in Bangor, Maine, into one of the largest super regional insurance agencies in New England. With a network of offices throughout New England, Cross Insurance works with top carriers to provide maximum value to you, your family, and your business. We are proud to be the official insurance broker of the New England Patriots and would welcome the chance to provide security for your team. For more information, visit CrossInsurance.com. Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. We're back on Downtown, the podcast. You can never go wrong with a little Isaac Hayes. on the program has been making people laugh for more than four decades. One of the most successful comedians in the business, author, radio host and guest, including uh, doing a stint with Isaac Hayes on New York City Radio. Man, you can't even imagine how great that must have been. We had a blast catching up with one of our comedy heroes recently, the great George Wallace. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. I don't know what time it is. I don't know what day of the week it is, but I'm here with you. <laughs> Aren't we all like that these days? The days of the week just sort of blur together now. Yeah, I just heard you say Wednesday, so, oh, it must be Wednesday. So I'm with you, and thank you for having me on. I apologize for being late, but uh, I'm with you. If there's no late. Time doesn't mean anything, George. We're just, we're glad you're here. How are you handling this, uh, this situation that we're all dealing with right now? Well, every day, first of all, I'm a hypochondriac, so whatever you got, I got, and so <laughs> I'm dealing with that. And every day they come out with some new symptom, some new rule. I'm going, yeah, I got that, I got that. And now they're saying that the gloves are no good. Don't wear the gloves, wear the gloves. And uh, it's just confusing now, and I'm, and every day there's a new doctor. Where are these Dr. Guptas coming from? There's so many Dr. Guptas, Sanjay Guptas, Sorry Guptas, Ben Guptas. There's a lot of Guptas. I guess the doctors and the Guptas are taking over the medicine world, aren't <laughs> Yeah, so who do you go to? Who do you believe these days, George, to get any kind of accurate information? Oh, my God, that's what's driving me crazy, man. It's just like they're saying, 
so many different medicines, and I've taken everything, you know, the teas and the drinking the water, the vitamin D and the, and the zincs. I've done everything they asked me to do, and I, I'm still not comfortable. I've been in my house, believe it or not, since March 24. I haven't left the house. I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm scared, man. And uh, like you said, I'm from Las, I live in Las Vegas, but I'm in Atlanta right now. And um, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm obeying the rules. I'm staying in. And, you know, I'm down in Georgia with these, with these stupid people in the South. I'm born raised here in Atlanta, opening the bowling alley. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Now, you know you got a disease going around, right? Now, why the hell would you go to the bowling alley and put your three nasty fingers down in three nasty holes? And how many people had the ball? Listen, how about the bowling shoes? 50,000 people tying up the same shoes. So I'm dealing with this. I'm riding a human. I'm getting fat. I'm doing that. Uh, I'm eating all kinds of things. There's a man from your area. There's two men stopped by my house every day, Ben and Jerry. Have you heard of them? <laughs> yeah. They got a thing called, they come out with a new, new uh, flavor today. I don't know the name of it, but they got a they got a flavor called Chunky Monkey. It is driving me crazy. It is. I should just put it on my hips, man. It's just oh. <laughs> so I'm gaining weight. I'm doing stupid stuff. My my grooming has gone crazy. I don't know about you guys, but my feet. I don't know what the hell. I need a pedicure so badly. So I gotta have a, a, a what do you call a doctor? What's the name of the doctor? Podiatrist. Podiatrist. They need to start. They gotta bring sandpaper, sandpaper, a chisel, jackhammer. My feet are jacked up right now. So <laughs> I'm dealing with this. <laughs> Well, in the midst of all of this, though, in the midst of all this, George, we hear you're, you're working on a new book, a collection of your tweets. Yeah, it's called Bull Twit. And, uh, <laughs> you got it right off the bat. That's good. I'm just smart people. It's all Bull Twit, I tell you. It's all Bull Twit. And we're putting that together. I'm, I'm rambling about a lot of things and whatnot, you know, talking about this five different sections, you know, the top five, this and that, top five. The top five ups, you know, thumbs up, uh, moving on up, and blah, 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 and this is a stick up. I'm just having fun with them and how poor we were when we were kids. You know, you don't know this, but when we were so poor when we were kids, burglars would break into our house, and they'd look around, and they start bringing us stuff. That's how poor we were. <laughs> so it's just, it's just a little, there's a chapter called, I don't care anymore, I don't give a damn, I don't play by the rules. Uh, you know, I'll put the... I'll eat cupcakes out of pan and pancakes out of cup. I don't give a damn. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just <laughs> rambling on and on and on. You know, I'll eat French toast in England and an English muffin in France. I don't give a damn. So, so we're just having fun with the book, and the book will be available pretty soon. I'm not going to release it until maybe uh, Christmas. It's ready to go right now. I'm looking at it right now, but uh, I want to get back on TV so we can promote it properly. You know, I'll be thinking. Speaking of Twitter, you are one of the great followers on Twitter. What what drew you to Twitter early on? I mean, you've been doing it for a while. I just thought it was a little format that I could get out the uh, little quick sayings, you know. And I, it's not even my form, my 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 humor, the my formula of humor. Going on stage, I'm a totally different guy. But I just love saying little quick things in and out, and uh, and having fun. It's not me; it's the replies I get. That's that's the fun. Like I did the top five pans in the world, Peter Pan, Flash in the Pan, Pandemic, Panamanian, whatever. And somebody hit me back, how about Mugu Guy? <laughs> oh, I like stuff like that, you know? <laughs> so it's the replies that I get that I really like. So that's why I'm into it and I love it. And uh, this is one book. Of course, I got enough material for at least five more books. And uh, But I'm going to, 
going to write another book. I know it's going to piss a lot of people off, but it's going to be called How Trump Effed Up My Life. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that'll be multi-volumes, right? Oh, so you're with me, right? So you know what I'm talking about there. So somebody said, what are you going to say? Anything, you know, financially, so um, spiritually, so uh, entertainment-wise, food-wise, my relationship, just my life is screwed up in the last, uh, something's going on here, so. We're talking with George Wallace here on Downtown. And, uh, well, your last book, <laughs> Laugh laugh It Off, it was funny. It was great. But it was also, there were some very moving and poignant parts of that book. And you, you got a real message to it as well. It was a lot of laughter, too. But And that's a hallmark of your act, too, that there's a, there's a humanity there in your comedy. And like the great comics, you punch up. You don't punch down. Well, I try to. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I try to have a message with that, like... Um, I spoke to some graduating classes uh, this year, you know, since they didn't have the traditional uh, uh, commencement exercises. I, I was telling them how to make sure you enjoy your life, you know, because life is backwards, you know. And you got to, I'm trying to be positive and, and, and teach young people and everybody to enjoy your life. Uh, laugh it off. Keep laughing your life. When you stop laughing, you stop living. And that's one thing I know for sure. People may not know this uh, unless they're big fans like us, but you're great friends with Jerry Seinfeld, you were best man at his wedding. Uh, you were at his his children's bris. Did you do the circumcision on the kids? Yes, I did. The older boy, yes, I did. And I didn't know the Jewish people. You know, they say you're supposed to, somebody's supposed to fall out. I didn't, you know, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> people faint, you know. And so when the rabbi does it, and they get the baby drunk first. They get the baby drunk. <laughs> and then they take a little knife or something like that, and the baby just goes crazy. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was. Uh, I'm. Uh, I was best man in his wedding. I'm his roommate for uh, 13 years. I'm his best friend. I was a. Uh, what else was I? I'm the father of the kids. Actually, I'm the father. Let's <laughs> make that perfectly clear. So yeah, he's my best friend still today. After 44 years, uh, he should be calling soon to interrupt this call. We still. I don't know what it is, but we just enjoy each other and we're just good friends. I wish everybody had a friend like Seinfeld. He's an idiot. <laughs> I'm the only one can say that. And everybody he says, think, oh, dude, everybody else like he's great and this and that. To me, he's an idiot, okay? And he says the same thing about you, so there's got to be real love there. Well, there's some real love. Uh, we, we do love each other. We don't understand it. The family doesn't understand it, but uh, we've just been together for years, and uh, I'm blessed by that. I got the best friend in the world. Uh, you've I'm done some some acting in, in your career, a lot of acting in your career as well. Uh, how does that. How does that compare to you because you don't have that uh, reaction of the live audience? Do you enjoy it as much as doing the stand-up? Uh, nothing is better than stand-up. Uh, nothing is better than that. Um, uh, I'm doing some acting right now, a new TV show with Netflix called uh, Daddy Stop Embarrassing Me. I'm co-starring with Jamie Foxx. Oh, yeah. And, of course, we had to break that up because of the uh, virus, but we're going to go back and also have a new project with Norman Lear. Can you believe that? That's Norman fantastic. Lear, wow. After, he's 97 years old, and he accepted me as one of his partners on a new project that I went in with. It's called uh, Clean Slate, and my partner is uh, Laverne Cox. Wow. So I wanted to go in and do, I wanted to do another Sanford and Son. He says, oh, you just do you. And I came up with the idea that Sanford, I still want to do Sanford and Son. So Laverne Cox is my son down in Mobile, Alabama. And I'm just a black father, don't know, just, my job is just put food on the table back in the day. Did not understand Laverne Cox and what he was going what he was going through at the time. And so he went to New York and did his thing and, be, and became a transsexual. So he knocks on the door and bam, he said, Dad, it's me, Edward, my son. Who? Bam, who? And I slammed the door. So what it is, 
we're going to educate a lot of people on uh, my son is now my daughter. Well, that sounds fantastic. Come from now. Well, so we're, that's what we're doing. Ms. Clean Slate, me, Laverne Cox, Norman Lear, and that's an NBC Peacock project. Wow. Well, that, and, uh, that I might be in great. trouble. I might be in trouble because I got the uh, I'm hold, held up on the on, on two two shows. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Now, used to uh, you did radio a number of times with Tom Joyner out in L.A. And man, I wish I'd heard this. Uh, you you did some radio with Isaac Hayes in New York City. I was with Tom Joyner for five years. I'm a I'm a uh, uh, what do you call it? A charter member of the Tom Joyner Morning Show <laughs> for five years. I did radio in uh, Chicago, number one in Chicago, WGCI. I did number uh, Washington D.C. and also. WBLS in New York City with Isaac Hayes back in the day, Kiss Mummy. Yeah, so I love radio. I love what you guys are doing. Oh, my God. Making people happy, driving in the cars. You make more people happy than you think. So you're part of a lot of people's family. How about that? And then the good thing about what you guys do, you do absolutely nothing. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) That's the best part of the job. Isn't that a blessing? (laughs) Nothing. We thank our lucky stars every day. All I do is lie. I have the greatest job in the world. I just go up on stage and just make up stuff. Just lie. I love to lie. When, when you do your routine, is it largely improvised? Do you have notes? I don't know. I have notes every night before I go out because that's why I don't know what I'm doing. Before I, every night, a different show, I write down notes. Something could have happened today. I just start off with that and just go. Because all I do is just lie. And I, just, <laughs> I want to be the greatest BS in the world. But like I said, Trump is kicking my ass in that division. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, it, but life is a lie. No matter what you do, everything involved is a lie. Simple thing is, you know, you, you just read uh, an advertisement that says, uh, let's just say food delivery. It says free delivery, right? Free delivery. They always say free delivery. Well, you try to close the door without tipping that guy. <laughs> everything is a lie. All the commercials on TV are a lie. You just, you just get used to the bedding companies. You know, my pillow, it doesn't matter. I just find a line, everything. Give me a break, break me up a piece of that Kit Kat bar. I bought seven, put them in the freezer. <laughs> I can't get that thing to snap. You, you hear snap on television, don't you? <laughs> everything is a lie. I could just go to, you guys know anybody that ever wanted to publish this clearinghouse? <laughs> no. No. no, Ed McMahon never came to my neighborhood. And Steve Harvey, too. You've never been driving down the street, you see a brown van, people jumping out with balloons and going, oh, I want it. You never heard that. <laughs> so everything is a lie. I don't care what you do. In, they lie in church. Just No matter what you do, there's a lie involved. You've been to church before, and the minister tells everybody, please close your eyes in prayer. You may close one eye, but you're not, you're not going <laughs> 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 to close My mom used to say to me, close your eyes, boy. And I look at her and say, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, George, so, uh, any... George, before we let you go, I'm just curious, what, what do you miss most? What are you looking forward to doing when, when all this ends and we're, we're out of quarantine and, and back doing things again? I'm truly looking forward to getting back to the people. But i I, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm one of the people, I'm in no hurry to get back. I know we work in front of crowds every night, but I do think I need the vaccine before I get back. I can wait. I'm in no hurry to get back. I know you've heard the news, and people have different opinions about it. Las Vegas is open. Well, uh, I'm not sure it's open for me just yet. Uh, I think I can wait. And, you know, people, uh, there's an argument right now about going back to church. Uh, I love church. Uh, 
but I'm not sure I'm in a hurry to get back right now. But I, that's what I'm looking for, to get back and make people laugh. In the meantime, I'm doing it with you guys on the radio here, and I appreciate you guys having me. Well, we appreciate you joining us today. Now, by the way, they, they, they put a little disclaimer on Trump's tweets. They haven't done that to you yet, have they? Well, I'm not. <laughs> I tell you, he's a bit of a lie. He's a bit of BS than I am. <laughs> no, they they won't do it to me just yet. I'm, uh, That's because you're speaking the truth life out is there. Still good guys. Yeah, life is still good. I'm still enjoying life, and I hope I can make somebody happy. Well, we've enjoyed your work for many, many years. We look forward to the book later this year, and we appreciate you so much for making some time. For us this afternoon, keep doing what you're doing on Twitter, making people smile as well. Stay safe, and uh, thanks again for joining us, George. You got a deal. And have everybody follow me at Mr. George Wallace. I want to hear 100,000 people sign up today. Follow me today at Mr. George Wallace. How about that? We're all over. Thank you, George. Thank you, much, Man, that was so much fun. Uh, George Wallace, he's, uh, to me, on that Mount Rushmore of great comedians of the last half century. Oh, he absolutely would have to be. Uh, he He's just so great, and... Uh... And as as we touched on very qu- briefly, his Twitter feed oh, yeah. is just gold, and <laughs> it's, he's probably going to eventually see what I've been <laughs> what I've been doing, and and start sending me a bill for the that, uh, every other day or so use of his tweets. Right. Uh, well, they, you know, they're worth it. They're that good. Well, that's why he's putting together a book of those great tweets yes. that uh, will come out once he can go back on on the road and on TV and promote the thing. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, that'll be. That'll be great. And his last book, Laugh It Off, uh, absolutely terrific as well. Uh, brilliantly funny, but also uh, an awfully smart and uh, understanding guy who, who gets it in the big picture. The great George Wallace. Our thanks to him and thanks to the equally great William Sanderson for being part of the show this week. Thanks to you for giving a listen. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Subscribe. Give us a, a big old six-star. They, they don't do six. Five-star review. That's acceptable then, too. And Please join us next time right here on Downtown the Podcast.